Amen. I will always be thankful for a wife that prays. <laughs> Uh, growing up, I, I must have been like 11, 11 years old, 12 years old, and uh, my church service that I was at on a Sunday, I can only, it's the only reason I can think of why my mom would have done this, uh, and they must have talked about Revelation. They must have talked about the end times, something of that nature, uh, because Sunday afternoon, uh, my mom's like, oh, I got a good movie to show my 11-year-old child. Uh, called Thief in the Knife, uh, and it was about the end times. And so 30,000-foot view of the end times, uh, the book of Revelation talks about at one point, God will rapture his church. Christians will leave this earth and, and meet Jesus. And then there will be seven years of tribulation, three and a half good, three and a half bad, something happening in the middle. Uh, then Jesus will come back, and uh, there will be a thousand-year reign, things of that nature. 30,000-foot view. Hopefully, I've confused all of you tuning in and in the room. But... All of that to say, hard enough for you all to comprehend, I was 11, all right? And I watched this movie about Christians leaving this earth and leaving their clothes behind, awkward, leaving their bags behind, leaving their possessions behind, and now all of a sudden they're gone. Okay, so that's Sunday afternoon. My mom thought, great, let's show my 11-year-old child. And Sunday or Monday, I come home from school. My brother always got, came home before me. He was on an earlier bus. He threw his shoes off. He threw his backpack off. He threw his coat off. But this Monday, I didn't know my dad had picked him up. All of his belongings were there, but he wasn't. Sunday, I watched a movie. And I was like, my brother got taken and I did not? He has a DMX CD hanging upstairs in the DC Talk album CD case and he went and I didn't? I was furious. And this was before cell phones, so I'm hitting up pagers. You can find that in the National History of, uh, of History down in D.C., uh, but uh, Museum of History. And uh, like I, nothing, no one re was responding. It scared the literal hmm, out of me, uh, and I've been thinking about heaven ever since. <laughs> and uh, I've been a Christian ever since. What I, what I want to talk about today is how should the end game, what is to come, how should that impact us here and now because that's a hundred percent of a true story and i've given heaven and eternity a thought ever since that day so how do you live do you live with fear do you live with uh like like anxieties of life while neglecting the reality of eternity do you think that you're too broken to be put back together in the master's hands or does eternity have this thought you know what Brokenness isn't that big of a deal. I'll just enjoy life now. Death, we, we talked about this last week in song format. Death doesn't have to have the final word over our lives. But it does have a word. What will it do for you and for I? How will that impact us in the here and the now? So we're going to go to the book of Revelation. It's the last book of the Bible, so Go to the back and kind of work your way, you know, to the back. And we're going to get a glimpse of heaven. We're going to look at the beauty to come. We're going to see who is in complete control. We're going to see that our Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That we're not on some aimless journey, but we're on a journey to a very specific location. As our Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, 
in the life. So you guys can turn there in the app. You can turn there on the screens. You can turn there in your Bible. We're going to be in Revelation chapter 22. It starts off by giving us this picture of how we are nourished forever. Where John, the apostle that's writing this, who's had the vision of heaven, he writes this. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, the bright as, as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. Also on the other side of the river, the tree of life and its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding fruit, its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree were for healing of the nations. Water is a critical part of humanity, is it not? There are people and there are civilizations that when they lose their water source, they are decimated. They are no longer. So water itself has a sustaining aspect. And here, when we get the glimpse of heaven, the Lamb of God that we celebrated last week, the resurrection of Jesus, our sacrifice, is at a very specific location, the throne, and the water that flows from him is that of sustaining. It flows down from the throne itself. It has a tree, a tree that produces fruit all year long, enough to sustain. My Jesus is the sustainer of life. Amen. The trees have leaves. The leaves have a healing aspect to them. This is a picture of life and life of abundance. That is the life that is to come, that you and I will be able to eat and drink in, in eternity without getting fat. <laughs> we'll have our heavenly bodies. <laughs> will be perfectly nourished for the life to come. Why? Because true life flows from the throne. It flows where God himself, who sits there and nourishes us, this draws us back to the very beginning where the tree of life was also mentioned in the Garden of Eden. But this time it's reversed. This time the curse is no longer. We'll get more into that in a second. But when we think about nourishment, like, I'm now 37 years old. I have enough history behind me to say, you know what? Life, like, you go on social media, you go on Amazon, plenty of marketing campaigns for that magic bullet, that thing that you don't have to nourish it. Like, you, you pop this pill, and you'll, be, you'll have the body of Dwayne the Rock Johnson, and you just have to take this one little magical pill, and you will be good to go. I, I love my, my yard. I love a green yard until I had kids that loved playing football in the front yard. But you know what? I've come to learn that you can go onto Amazon, you can search out the perfect seed, the seed that you, you don't have to water it. It doesn't need shade. You put the seed down in, in your yard and now all of a sudden you get perfectly green grass. You don't have to do anything. So pop a pill. You don't have to nourish your body. You'll just, you'll have a perfect body. Throw the right seed down. You'll have perfectly green grass. You don't have to nourish it. And if you're like me, after 37 years of, of research, you've come to realize it's all crap. <laughs> there, it's not true. There is no seed that you can just throw on your grass and all of a sudden you have perfect grass. <laughs> there is no pill to take that all of a sudden you're going to have a perfect body. <laughs> I, I struggle with food. I, I stress eat and I eat when I'm bored. So COVID has been awesome. <laughs> and I'm always looking for it. But what I have come to find out in my years of research is burn more calories than I eat, 
and drink water. Like, uh, there's nothing like super secretive about it. Uh, I was drinking water when I first wake up before TB12 told me I should do that, uh, Tom Brady. And, uh, but like I do, when I, first thing I wake up, I put water in my body and then I go to the gym and I work out. But you know what? Like if I get that out of balance, uh, that's, food is an addiction for me. Food is a, a craving for me. And I can't wait to live in a state where I don't have to worry about it, where I will be perfectly nourished. Every morning I, I, I wake up, I, I drink water and, and, I, and I work out, but I also spend a lot of time nourishing my soul. I go for a walk, I, I do the soap study, I, I get into God's Word. I probably spend about two hours a morning trying to nourish my soul because what I have found is I'm a pretty ugly person. <laughs> And I'm ugly even when I spend two hours in God's word and in prayer. But when I don't do that, I'm even uglier. And what I think is being communicated here is, you know what? There will be a time where you and I will be nourished forever. When we stand and are welcomed into the presence of God. That will be a moment of complete worship, will it not? And that's where, that's where John goes. He goes to this, this, we will be nourished forever. We will worship forever. He says, no longer will it be anything accursed, but the throne of God and the lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more. They will, be, uh, they, they will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Nothing cursed. A place of utter perfection. The Lamb of God is present. Where, where you, you're like, Jesus, I know you died for me. We said, 19 people said yes to a relationship with Jesus last week. That's incredible. Now, here's the thing. 19 people that said, Jesus loves me enough to die for me, loves me enough to rise again from the grave. But then here's the battle that those 19 are going to face every single day here on out is the enemy whispering, sure, he loves you, but he doesn't like you too much. Forever and ever. You're not only allowed to be into the presence of God, he desires your presence with him. He wants you where you and I can worship with him forever that he is the light, he is the sustainer. How long? Forever. Where he is the light, now he'll be the light both figuratively and literally. We won't have to depend on the sun's light because we will have the sun, that he will be the one that is sustaining it all forever and ever. And where that tree, back in the garden, when we took advantage of free will, led to curse, where it led to disease, where it led to death, where it led to disharmony, where it led to, to all that is wrong in this world, that we will reign and God will have put everything back together again. All that was broken and all that is broken, where we were once thrown out of the perfect garden, we will be welcomed back in, in the presence of God Almighty, Think about the garden. Think about eating the fruit. Think about all that flowed from that. 
I'm going to read those verses again because this is a complete turnaround from the Garden of Eden. There will no longer be anything accursed. There was a lot of cursing in, in, in Genesis. But the throne of God, the Lamb will be in it. The servants will worship him. They will see his face. His name will be on their foreheads. The night will be no more. They will, know, they will, uh, they will need no light of lamp or sun. The Lord your God will be their light. They will reign forever and ever. This is a complete reversal. The Genesis, or Revelation at the very end, where Genesis 3, Revelation 22, you know what? This, this, everything in between is God putting it back together again. This is where it all falls apart. And this is where Jesus welcomes everybody in saying, I put it back together again and you can reign with me. You can worship me forever and forever and forever God has put it back together again that you and I will be welcomed into perfect fellowship, perfect relationship. We'll be able to talk with him. We'll be able to sing. That's this, this, the, word, the word worship is, is, is the Greek where we get this idea of, of, of service, of worship. Worship through service or service as worship. It's where you and I get to be in the presence of God. And we think heaven is going to be dull there's not going to be anything dull about heaven when we are in our complete form worshiping our Jesus. I, like I said, I'm, I'm 37. I'm having, a, I guess, a midlife crisis as I keep bringing that up. And uh, my mommy, uh, I call her mommy, uh, still sends me care packages. Uh, and I welcome it. Uh, so we're Irish, so every St. Patty's Day I get a care package. And on Easter... Uh, my mom was actually visiting, so last, uh, so this past Sunday after church, I went and found my Easter basket, like a four-year-old, and uh, I found it, and uh, I had this T-shirt inside of it. My mom saw this on a Facebook ad, like me, she gets she gets hooked into T-shirts, and uh, so I got this raised raised on the hood because it's that ice cream with the wooden stick. If y'all are around my age, you remember that, but it was a big deal in in Boston especially, and uh, I love the T-shirt, but it's the second greatest uh, Easter gift that I ever got. Uh, because back uh, by the year after college, uh, it was like 2008 or something like that, and uh, I was living down in Virginia, down in Lynchburg, Virginia, and uh, I went to Thomas Road Baptist Church. We had family coming into town. I was living there with my brothers, and uh, we went to Thomas Road Baptist Church. Uh, Wheels and I had been there uh, for something else later on as uh, when I was a youth pastor. It's just this big old church. They have a big old Southern Baptist choir, and there's just something heavenly about it. And, uh, and so I was there uh, on Easter and um, sitting next to my brother and uh, um, on my left was, was my Nana. And uh, they all of a sudden, they wheeled this guy out uh, in, a, in a wheelchair. And uh, I guess it was one of the former Gaithers. And I didn't know because I didn't grow up listening to the Gaithers. You'll have to Google them. And, uh, but my Nana had grown up listening to them. And, uh, and so here was this, this, like, for her, a pillar of the faith that came out uh, to sing, How Great Thou Art, and, uh, which is an old, an old hymn. And here I am, like, kind of a punk post-college kid, and I'm just like, oh, great, like a, a hymn. Oh, awesome. This is going to be boring. He's going to be meeting Jesus soon, so I guess whatever. And uh, I know, I was a punk. And, uh, but then I saw my Nana belting it out. And I saw my Nana weeping over the lyrics of the song and how much it meant to her. And um, I'm just going to read you those lyrics because it's not a song we sing often now, but 
It says, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the roaring thunder, the power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When through the woods, the forest glades, I wander. I hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from the lofty mountain grander, I see the brook, I feel the gentle breeze. Then sings my soul, my Savior, how great, my God, how, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior, God to thee, how great thou art. When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. That on the cross, my burdens gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God, how great thou art. And I, and I sat there and I sang that song with a Southern Baptist choir and it was just radiant. I'm sitting there next to my Nana and she's weeping and I just got a picture of heaven. And really, since that day, I get this picture that one day my life, I'm gonna kick the bucket and I get this picture that I will be standing before God and all, all that has been wrong, all that has been right, everything about my life will be there laid out. But Jesus will be standing there as my defense. And at the end of it, that God would open up the gate and allow me in. And I just get this picture and a hope that as I walk by and enter through the pearly gates, that my God just might say, well done, good and faithful servant. And I'll enter those gates and join with the heavenly choir. I suck at singing, <laughs> but there it will be heavenly. I want my kids to know that daddy's proud of them. I love hearing good job from my dad. I love when Ava looks at me with joy but one day I'll see Jesus face to face and joy will fill both of us. What a day that will be. John concludes this section by saying, and he said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. The lamb and the Lord, the God of the spirits and of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what must take, what soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy in this book. This is trustworthy. This is happening when? Soon. He's coming back. When? Soon. The risen Jesus says, I will be back. So in the meantime, keep his words. In the meantime, follow after what he has said. In the meantime, pay attention to how you should live. Behold, he is coming soon. That can be translated, he's coming back suddenly. And so happy are those who are ready. Happy are those who are prepared. Happy are those 
that live like Jesus can come back at any moment. My son is now 10 years old. He's old enough to be at the house, have a tablet, be able to call mom and dad. And so the other night for the first time, we have a restaurant about a half a mile from our house. So we met some dear friends down there for dinner. We left Landon home with his siblings. We set the alarm and we said, Landon, you can text us, you can call us, you can FaceTime us, but you're in charge. He loves being in charge. And, uh, and so we left him a list, like good parents, like here are like four things that you have to do while we are gone to make sure that you weren't just on your tablet the whole time. And uh, so we had just four small things uh, as we went down for dinner. And uh, as we concluded dinner, I said, Landon, I texted him, Landon, we'll be, mommy and daddy are going to be back in 10 minutes to give him just a little bit of a warning to finish what we had, what we had said. And, uh, and so we walked through the door and I said, daddy's home. How do we do? And Landon's like, oh, I didn't know you were, you're going to be back this quick. I was like, well, it's been like an hour and a half. Uh, so that wasn't really that quick. And I texted you. So when you swiped up to ignore my text, uh, perhaps you should have read it. And, uh, and so it wasn't like that big of a deal, but very little got done on the list because we, we, he, we caught him when he was surprised uh, that mommy and daddy had come home. How are we to live in the waiting? We are waiting for Jesus to return. How are we to live? Let's narrow in on this. I'm going to give you three just general principles. This isn't like, you know, just very general, 30,000 foot view. And then we're going we're gonna to narrow in just a little bit more. But you and I as Christians, we're waiting for daddy to come home. So here are three principles as we wait. First one, that we are to believe what is faithful and true. The book of Revelation is both a promise and a warning. That Jesus will come back. It's as trustworthy as God is. So it's going to happen. And so if we are to believe what is faithful and true, we are to live as if this is true. Secondly, we are to anticipate what has been predicted. That we're not going to neglect the here and the now. We're not going to neglect our jobs. We're not going to neglect our family. But we are also always going to be looking forward. We're going to live in a state of readiness. And then thirdly, we're going to heed what has been revealed. Heeding is different than hearing. When you hear, you then heed. This is, this is a verb that we live like this is going to happen. That this book of prophecy is not meant just to show us a few cool things about the end. It's not meant just to make some, some movies left behind or thief in the night. It's not meant just for that. It's meant to bring us to a place of worshipful obedience. My Jesus is coming back. That must impact us now in the present. And so our big thought, if you're in the room, if you're watching online, our big thought is the end game must impact my game. You all have a game. You all live in the game of life. The end game must impact your game. How you're functioning in this world, in this life. So let me give you now just five things that are a little bit more specific. How, how to let the end game impact your game. Now, these are just five things, okay? Now, if you want a complete list on how to let the end game impact your game, see the Bible. That's kind of why it was written, okay? So this is not an exhaustive list. Here's your exhaustive list. Just read this. But here are five things that I, as I was thinking about it this week that like, that, that first came to mind. So I just jotted them down and, and we turned them into a slide. First is, is to use family terms. That there is 
not a single person in this room that calls Jesus Lord and Savior that isn't family. And so often in the church, we get to fight each other pretty well. It's sad. But that we would look at brothers and sisters in Christ as enemy. God does not look at any brother or sister of mine as an enemy, so why should I? And so I, I want to encourage you, when you think about the end game, here's one actionable thing right now. Anybody that truly calls on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, never use a term of enemy. Look at them as brother and sister. The second one there is embrace holy opportunities unique to this life. This is probably more Jasonism than anything else. But I have my life goals, things that truly probably can only happen in this life. I want to I preach the 3,000 in one sitting the gospel like, like it happened in Acts. I, I want to give millions of dollars to the church in my lifetime. I, I want to I I walk on, at Fenway Park on the grass. You know, like the important stuff in life. I have these life goals that, that oftentimes, most of them can only be accomplished in this life. Now, this is not go like, hey, let's go ride in dirty. Nothing like that. Because there's a lot in this life that can happen in this life that can't happen in heaven that are sinful. But if you take a step back, there's probably a lot in this life that isn't sinful that can be embraced. So take advantage of those opportunities. The, the, the third one is be a spiritual first responder. This is a storm. Life, this is for Christians. This is the worst life will ever be. What is to come is the best. For the non-Christian, this is the best it will ever be and the worst is to come. But for us, we need to look at ourselves as this is a storm. We are spiritual first responders. We are going into the storm to be used by God to save people from an even uh, worse storm coming. So be a first responder. Look to take more people with you than you're leaving behind. The third, uh, the fourth one, whatever it is, end closer than you started. When I first became a Christian, I was nowhere near like Jesus. <laughs> and you know what? I'm still nowhere near like Jesus. But here's my hope, is I'm just a little bit closer. When I, when I, when I went to bed last night, I was nowhere near like Jesus. But as I wake up this morning, as I go about my day, I hope I fall asleep tonight just a little bit closer so maybe as you think about the end game, maybe make that one of your goals. End a little bit closer than you started. God has called us to dine with sinners. So we'll hang out with some rough people for the sake of the gospel. But he's not called us to sin with sinners. <laughs> dine with them. Win them over to Jesus. And then lastly, worry less uh, with a focus on the truth. There is an enemy fighting us. He's looking to take life from us, or he's looking to give us all the pleasures of the world so we lose sight of what is truly of matter. But as a Christian, we know that we have gained Jesus. And so we have gained everything. We know that as a Christian, that we can sing that old hymn, you can have all this world, just give me Jesus. So worry less with a focus on the truth. Look the devil in his face and say, you can have it all, but you're never taking my Jesus. We cannot, we, we do not have to fall asleep with worry when we know that no matter how this ends, we will be at the throne of God, the sustainer of life. This week, I, uh, I embraced an opportunity to do something, and uh, it was, uh, 
two Christian organizations got together and gave pastors a golf trip in Ocean, Ocean City, Maryland. And all expensive expensive paid. Usually I would say no to something like that. Uh, but I was like, you know, I need to embrace it. Abe was like, you should do it. And uh, so I went down to Ocean City, Maryland and played on courses that had green fees of $180. And I was like, I'll never do this in my life. Uh, and I golfed it for free. And uh, I suck at golf, but it's enjoyable to get out there. And, uh, and so I did that. And so on my way down Monday, Monday afternoon, I, uh, I was traveling, and I was like, man, I've been to Maryland before, but I, I, didn't, I never went by Atlantic City. And uh, so I was like, my GPS is taking me a different way, maybe, you know, whatever. And so I, 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 I swiped a little bit, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going over the ferry. Uh, and I don't think I want to go over the ferry. Uh, and so I called Dave. I was like, should I be taking the ferry? She's like, well, it's going to be expensive. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Homeboy don't pay money for stuff. And, uh, and so that was the first negative. And then she's like Googling. She's like, well, there's no tickets till 6 o'clock. And it was like 1. And I was like, so I'm going to get to said ferry and have to wait till 6 o'clock and pay money to wait till 6 o'clock? And she's like, yeah, you should probably not do that. And so I found a different route, which was actually about the same amount of time, went up the Atlantic City Expressway, caught whatever I caught, and got down there. I wanted to get to dinner that night, and I was going on a journey that I thought was quick. Google, who owns the world, told me that was the best way to go. It was going to be the quickest way to go. But had I done that, I, it would have taken me longer. I needed to be rerouted to truly get to the destination that I was trying to get to and to get there in better fashion. So I wanted just to close by walking through our, uh, our endless growth values, what we think is true of every, should be true of every, every single Christian. And just to end with a moment where we'll, I'll list the value and then just simply ask, does God need to reroute something in your life with the end in mind? So when we talk about engage with God, how's your time with Jesus? When you wake up, are you nourishing your physical health more than you're nourishing your spiritual health? Is your spiritual health suffering? What in your life needs to be rerouted? When you think about daily surrender and surrendering over your life to Jesus, surrendering over moments of your life and sacrificing for Jesus, might there need to be a reroute? One of my favorite memes that I, that I see every now and again floating on, on the internet is, is this one. Choose your Hard. Is it not there? Can you forget it? Nope, not there? Okay, well, it's this meme that says choose your heart. That, you know, being fit and healthy is hard. And, and, and choosing to eat whatever you want and not being fit is hard as well. Choosing, choosing to spend your money however you want is hard because it leads to hard things when your bank account is on empty. But choosing to be financially responsible is hard. It kind of goes through different things like that. And it just simply says, choose your hard. Life is hard whether you're disciplined or undisciplined. So choose the hard that you want. When God is calling us to, re uh, calling us to surrender over to him, where do we need to be rerouted? When we ask about give of yourself, giving God our best time, when you think about your schedule, is work getting all of your time? Is family getting all of your time? Is Jesus, there's just not enough time for Jesus? Is it time for a reroute? When you think about how you give to the church, we're now a quarter of the year into the year. Do you have monthly bills that you pay more towards on a monthly basis than at this point, three months in, that you've 
actually given to the church? Is it time for a reroute? When you think about your skills, you're gifted, your gift, you could play, you could, you, you could dance circles around the band. You have the production. You, could, you are so gifted with kids. Like, How are you using your skills to build the kingdom of God? Is it time for a reroute? When we pursue community, are you pursuing community encouraging to your faith? Or are you dining with sinners and sinning with sinners? Are you hanging out with people that don't encourage your faith? That, yeah, you know, I spend a lot of time with sinners and that's okay. We want to be a church on mission. But who's there to encourage your faith? Is it time for a reroute where we need to welcome iron that sharpens iron? And lastly, are we praying and pursuing the lost? Do we pray for one? Has COVID been an excuse to not reach out to people that are hurting? Will there be more people in heaven because you pursued this, you prayed for the lost? Or is it time for a reroute? Your life right now is heading in a direction. Are you good with it? When this all comes to an end, death will not have any say in my life because I believe in a Jesus of resurrection. But when physical death comes to your life and to my life, what is the word that it will have in your life? And so as we go into song, we're actually gonna go into and sing How Great Thou Art. Pretty excited about it. I was crying earlier as they sang, uh, as I heard it. And so I hope that you'll cry with me. But who's going to have the last word in your life? Jesus or death? Sit for a second and think about that. Who has the last word in your life? Jesus or death? It's not both. It's one or the other. So I'm going to pray. And if you are actually needing a reroute just to say, you know what? My life is heading to an unfortunate destination. There's some crazy dude with some stupid Boston t-shirt that's telling me Jesus paid for all of my sin and rose again so that I could have life and that I could be in that heavenly worship party. I want that. Even if that's all you know right now, I think that's enough. Because Jesus can meet you in that place and take you on a journey. And so I'm going to invite you to pray. And then we're going to go into a moment where Hopefully we'll get a snapshot of heaven and that heavenly party that says how great you are. God, I uh, pray for this moment, Father, for those that as they contemplate life, as they contemplate all that could be good, all that could be great in in standing in your presence, Father, in, in perfect format, perfect voices, perfect bodies, but standing before a perfect Jesus who's perfectly sustaining all of life. Father, I do know that there are some that walked through these doors, that tuned in online, that if you came knocking today, if death was a reality today, it's not a heavenly worship party. There's agony. There's the wrath of God over our sins. And so, Father, in this moment, 
would there be some that would take that great reroute with Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So if that's you, if you need to embrace a reroute, simply pray something like this. God, I am sorry for my sin. I've been anything but holy. I can look at my life and I can, I clearly know I've done wrong. And God, I am sorry. I'm sorry that you had to send your son, the lamb of God, to be a sacrifice for me, but you did it. And today I'm accepting that sacrifice. I'm rerouting my life towards you, going on a journey that is not aimless, but on a journey that ends where it began with you. I'm giving my life over to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, the angels will rejoice. They are rejoicing. There's a heavenly party. If you prayed that prayer on your way out, grab one of these books, the Holy Bible, uh, and we want to give that to you. Uh, If you said yes to Jesus today, please grab one of these. And as you read it, you will be reminded that there are angels day in and day out, singing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Let's worship.